Well, then get away from the door, nigga. What's up, world, and welcome back to the Vibes and Stuff Podcast, where hip-hop fans discuss hip-hop topics. On this week's discussion, we'll discuss how hip-hop pioneers Rakim and Scarface have been granted lifelong health insurance coverage, as well as grant money for their contributions to the genre of hip-hop, through a foundation aiming to take care of our hip-hop pioneers. And the crew will discuss what rappers currently do they find have the funniest and most humorous personality. Then we'll dive into a double album retro review and discuss Wu-Tang Clan's debut album, Enter the 36 Chambers, and a Tribe Called Quest's Midnight Marauders album on their 30-year anniversary, and discuss what we liked about those albums, how well they've aged, our favorite tracks from those albums, and where they stand in those artists' respective discographies. And for our album face-off, we'll be putting Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers by Kendrick Lamar against the off-season by J. Cole weighing on which album we felt was better and why. So with that, please, kick back and enjoy the show. Yo, what's going on, Marcellus? Hey, what's going on, Ian? All right, how you been, bro? Decent. Going around with work. Yeah, I know that story. Get this kicked in the work from home 100%. Oh, okay. Screwed me over. They got me going in three days a week instead of two days, and I'm like, nah, this shift is too long for three days a week. And that's, that's killing me. Uh, man, they put the old okie doke on you, huh? Yup. Well, managers <laughs> were saying one thing, and then HR was like, nah, I'm kick you in the nads. So, here we are. Wow. That's been going on for almost, it's about six weeks, two yeah, it's about two months now. Hey, I still envy anybody who gets to work any amount of time remotely from home for their, for their nine to five. Because, yeah, even even in the thick of the pandemic, I wasn't able to do that. So I'm envious of anybody who can, can do that even a little bit. <laughs> I'm trying to stay in any field that's going to allow me to work remote. Like after, after you know, dealing with the pandemic and 100% being at home. And, and not having to travel, now I gotta go downtown, man, to get this uh, paying for parking, dealing with traffic, you know, you're cutting out two some odd hours out of your, you know, adding in two some odd hours into your day, you know? But, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. That, I'm, I am over that. Yo, what's going on, Vince? What's up? What up? What's going My on with you, bro? Good. Hey, what's going on, Vince? <laughs> All right, man. What is going on, man? So we're going to dive right into the show, man. We we got quite the show prepared tonight. Uh, some very uh, substantive and, and, and meaty topics, Pauls. But before we before we dive into that, last week, um, Vince didn't get a chance to do the homework or the listening for, the, for last week's album face-off that we do. But I wanted to give him, he said he was going to be able to, to, to double back. Were you, were you able to do that? Yeah, yeah, I was. Okay, great, great, great. I wanted to give you, you know, five minutes or however long you need to to recap last week's um, album face off and to be able to weigh in and give your opinion on on which album you felt was better between the copyright 
and the uh, the uh, Jakarta Motor Mouth. So I I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll get the floor to you. All right, I, all right, I, I'll be quick, man. These these um these albums definitely are frozen in time. I tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely give you a glimpse of the years they came out. You know, as far as the way they decide to, you know, what they what they talk about, the way they decide to talk about it, all of that, man. Definitely like a frozen in time album. Um. That high exalted, that I mean, I like them both. I like them both. One had better production, and that was obvious from the jump. Really similar uh, lyrical content. I can't say one was um, astoundingly better than the other. Um, was, was that how you felt about it, Ian? Yeah, I, I felt that they're in the same wheelhouse lyrically and style wise i do feel copyright bar for bar is a slightly better mc than jakai but yeah, i felt I, I jakai was better at flushing out uh concepts like conceptual tracks yeah I'm basically on the same page with you copyright slightly better with the with the uh lyrics he has more uh more variety with the way he goes across what he does he tends to focus on the same things uh the same talking points it seems like he focuses on every song that's where you got to see in um jakarta motormouth's his uh his concept like his theme of his album it was dope man that's where he shined the most that that album that album i think was really dope it um <laughs> the concept and he flushed it out very well it was like i think about the high exalted i think about copyrights album it just seems like you know the man has he was just spitting basically he made an album and he was just spitting and that's i mean that's cool that's fine I didn't care about his uh, his interludes too much as you know. His, uh, I didn't care about those too much. But I tell you one thing: on the flip side, with uh, God vs Satan, I was looking forward to every single interlude because of the concept of the album, and um, that's why I ended up choosing that one, um, God vs ah. Satan. Like overall, just the the concept was so good. It kept you engaged the whole album. Well, at least it kept me engaged. Now, I didn't necessarily care about the production that much. To me, it was somewhat bland. It was some of them were cool, but like from the get go, when I heard uh, um, the High Exalted, I mean, from the very beginning, I was like, yep, production better, production check, you know. But overall, the lack of any any direction in the album it just didn't hold a candle to the concept of uh god versus Satan. it was like really good then also what he did really well was concepts within the concept you know every song like had a meaning to it because right. of the whole overall theme of the album 
which just made that even more, even better. Certain songs were just so, uh, it was so heavy with uh, emotion and like focal points that, yeah, overall, man, it's just the album was just a lot better. I, I, I think you felt that way too, right? Yeah, I, I honestly did. Like now, now the high exalted I like for different reasons. I, because I, I, I love the album as well. But I felt like with Jakai doing kind of like a modern day retelling of Job, from like a hip hop standpoint, was just I had never heard anything like it, you know. And clearly, this dude had been has studied before. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. um, I just thought it was interesting, like. The, and the tracks were so well executed, in particularly uh, Kleptobraniac, where yeah, yeah. he becomes a thief, and then the people who taught him to steal end up robbing him at the end of the um, at the end of the song. So it's like he went down the wrong path for that particular decision, and then like immediately got, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it immediately bit him in the behind after that, or or the other track where um, the other track where he got fooled into thinking he had HIV. Yeah, positive rap. Yeah, yeah. Man, um, man, just just for it to be a mistake at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and he done done so. He did so many bad things because of it. He ended up taking his life. Like this was uh, like the concepts, man, was just so cool. Yeah, it was well executed, man. As far as concept albums go, like it's it's up there for me. It's, it's probably a top five album. For me. Yeah. And, uh, if only he just had better production, man. <laughs> well, that's the thing. The production for me didn't even have to be all that. I didn't need a whole lot of bells and whistles from the production because I was so wrapped up in the lyrics and the stories and the, and the, and the overall concept of the album. I I didn't I didn't hold the production against him as much as I held it against copyright because copyright is just doing straight, I'm better than you bars. You know, yeah. I'm better than you battle bars. So it's like, okay, this could this could be kind of one note after a while. Yeah, your bars are dope and hard hitting, but I need a little something else to hold my attention here. But with Jakai, he held your attention, you know, with the other stuff. Yeah, man. The abduction was, was interesting too. Oh yeah, with the aliens, he when he battled the aliens. Man, big man, big man battling some aliens, man. Like <laughs> it's just it's just interesting, man. It took you a lot of different directions, a lot of emotions, like just a lot of different scenarios in life that anybody could could be involved in as far as losing love on uh just all, all types of things. And it was all based around the Job story. Yeah, and it, yeah. but but it was modernized and it was through an album of hip hop which was just like hmm this is uh this holds my attention the entire album because it was not a short album no it wasn't it was 77 minutes yeah but i was i was caught up the whole entire time now i'm not saying the uh i'm not saying a high exa highly exalted was not was not good it's just that when you execute uh, a, a concept album it is hard it's hard to beat that yeah yeah especially like that one especially like that yeah one. and this one this one yeah this is one i would this is one i would i would let tell other people about like man just 
Like, hey, listen to this, man. You got a long road trip? Listen to this. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But let's go ahead. I'm glad you were able to check these these albums out, man, because I was very, very anxious to hear what you had to say about them. Because 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 I know the kind of, you know, the kind of rap you you kind of gravitate toward. But um, but let's go ahead. Let's dive into our show, man. The first topic I wanted to get into. This is actually a positive story, in my opinion. Um, apparently, Rakim, the rappers Rakim and Scarface are going to be uh, the beneficiaries of the paid in full fund as part of a uh, $500,000 fund honoring hip hop legends. So basically what they're being granted is um, life, in- not, not life insurance, health insurance for life. And I think they were getting uh, like some sort of cash payout too for their contributions to to the culture. But it says here, uh, Rakim looks looks set to finally be paid in full 36 years after releasing their critically acclaimed album bearing the same name. Alongside Scarface, the iconic MC is set to be the inaugural recipient of a big grant from the Paid in Full Foundation. The two rappers will be honored at the Foundation's Hip Hop Grandmaster Awards in Las Vegas on November 17th. Uh, the event, according to the Foundation's website, is thrown by Nas, as well as Ben Horowitz, uh, co-founder of the venture capital firm, uh, Adreesan Horowitz and Ben's wife, Felicia, yada, yada. It says here that Horowitz was an early investor in the in the uh, lyric annotation site Genius and has been friends with Nas for many years. And it says news of the Grandmaster Awards was first revealed by Steve Stout on the latest podcast of the Rap Radar podcast. It says we're giving significant money, a half a million dollars in health care to these people who we believe were contributors who did not get what they deserve. The Paid in Full Foundation aims to rectify that through its grant grant making program by both honoring people who built hip hop and enabling them to pursue their creative and intellectual pursuits for the benefit of society. So the aim of this foundation is to reward in the future to also reward other uh, hip hop icons who were, you know, integral in the creation uh, of hip hop, you know, and and uh, the nurturing of it. Uh, it's like and, a Rockefeller grant or something. Yeah, something something like that, something okay. like that. Um, which which I think is a pretty cool cool thing because so many artists die penniless and broke mm-hmm. and yeah. um, aren't really you know recognized for their for their contributions because. As time moves on and your fan base dies off and your peers die off, people just kind of forget about you. It's kind of out with the old and with the new, and particularly with hip hop. It's it's not that way with jazz and rock and roll as much, but it's it's very much that way with with hip hop. But what were you, what were y'all's thoughts on this? Is is this? Well, I mean, obviously it's a it's a it's a good thing. It's a a charitable thing, but. Uh, what hip hop artists would you like to see in the future be beneficiaries of this? I think it depends on the the artists. You know, um, you talk about people who are early adopters, but now you may have a situation where folks may get into hip hop or try to do something and then want to cash in on this later. You know, and they they made one album that you know two thousand people know about or something like that. Like people that go get a sad card. You know, so 
I, I think it depends on the, the scenario because at some point, because hip hop is now what fifty years old. Yep. You know, so at this point, it's like, well, if you were born past a certain point, you're not an early adopter of anything because yeah. it, it was full grown by the time you even got into this genre of music. You know. Exactly. Exactly. And if um, they do it right, then just like the Nobel and Rockefeller it'll constantly fund itself you know what i'm saying yeah you you won't have a situation where it'll it'll be exhausted because it should be able to fund itself so but like exactly. I said, you, gotta, you gotta do it right yeah yeah and it looks like they're interested in doing it right i i would like to see and and, and who's to say if this this is or isn't coming later on in the future but I would like to see like graffiti artists honored with this sim- with this same treatment mm. as well. Graffiti artists, b-boys, um, DJs who were, you know, at ground zero when hip hop was born, you know, wh- whoever's left over, you know, yeah. crazy legs, a, uh, you know, that's a good gra- point, man. The graph yeah. artists like like Cope 2 and people who were very influential to me, you know, and when it came to those other elements so hopefully they could get those other uh creators in on, on these these types of, of of grants as well and being recipients where they're kind of taken care of for life right. um i remember i was talking last week about this musical i went to go see uh with the family the other day about louis armstrong called uh it's a wonderful world and it was man it was an awesome awesome musical man and, and play it's in its pre-broadway stage right now but one of the artists in the play that they portrayed, who was actually the guy who got Louis Armstrong to blow up, was this other jazz musician named King Joe Oliver. And King Joe Oliver was basically the guy who set up Louis Armstrong with Lil Harden, who became his wife and his manager, who he kind of blew up under and got him from uh, New Orleans, fetched him from New Orleans up into Chicago. And King Joe Oliver had his own band that Louis Armstrong was a part of. They eventually branched off from, but he learned a lot from this guy. And this dude was like a jazz master too. But and they 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 portrayed this in the in the in the musical. Basically, King Joe Oliver once like white artists started getting more into jazz and they started blowing up and making music off of it. He his popularity kind of waned, and he eventually ended up selling fruit you know somewhere down south had to give up his band had to had to pawn all his instruments and he died at like 52 from like a disease that was was basically curable but because he didn't have any money you know he couldn't get the proper treatment his gums were bleeding so he couldn't play his instrument anymore and he basically died broke you know and his sister had to pawn a bunch of stuff to even pay for his funeral really really sad story but that was the stuff that jazz artists had to go through back then because people weren't checking for them there was no safety net once you know once your popularity and money dried up that was it Mm -hmm. and what they should be doing is something like sag like like with the writer strike and all that type of stuff then musicians should be doing something like that so that hey you contribute into this fund so you can take out of it later you know Yeah. yeah that I, I've heard people propose that that type of arrangement before, like actual rappers propose that, mm-hmm. but it's a it, it's a daunting proposal because 
not every artist is going to want to do that you know like because what you're what you're basically proposing is like a um i wouldn't say like a it's it's almost like a union pension really right. like i agree but people aren't pe- people's brains aren't wired that way anymore like man let me put a little something away for later even mm-hmm. if it's for even if it's for the common good now and benefiting somebody else it will still benefit me later on down the road when i need it people yeah. just don't think like that i mean i'm in a union yeah i'm in a union and I, I i've talked to plenty of people in my industry who feel that way about unions and it's like yo like they're the reason we got a 40-hour work week and don't have to work the weekends you know pretty much yeah yeah like there's, is, there's a lot of short-sighted stuff going on and then unfortunately it's not like you got people that's in hip-hop that's living the longest because of the stuff they did when they were young younger and it caught up to them you know the average person that's in this ain't making it to 70 80 years old you know yeah yeah so so that's that's another reason for the short-sighted thinking then you got you know rappers having the he who dies with the most toys wins type mentality you know yeah. so it's it's yeah i, I feel yeah. you it's, it's hard to put that into action you know when everybody want everything right now because they might not be around later but yeah. but overall overall it is good especially when you said when when you start when when you mentioned the other the other facets of hip-hop you know everybody mm-hmm. just tends to think about the rappers but you know you got some djs that are very integral to hip-hop you got you got some taggers you got some breakers all of those those are the four components of hip-hop which has gotten it to where it is and these people somebody a lot of these people are still alive and they still need you know help and if yeah. there's a fund that can that can help them like at the very least for uh for health insurance then i say yeah i mean i don't know what the criteria would be mm-hmm. but i mean there are certain names that every that you would say that everybody would agree it's like oh yeah definitely you know like people like turbo yeah you know like yeah. He definitely yeah. would need to be a, 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 a component of that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, DJ Cool Hurt. Well, he's dead now, right? Mm-hmm. No, he's, okay. no, he's still alive. Yeah. No, he's still alive. Okay. I mean, but you got certain DJs that um, that may not have a lot of money, but they were in the forefront of what of, of, of hip hop becoming what it is, and. Um, you know, you hear certain names. I didn't even know that uh, uh, Rakim was in dire straits like that, or maybe he isn't, or or, or Scarface for that matter. But like, I mean, are, Rakim hasn't. Man, he hasn't dropped an album in like a very long time. Yeah. Um, at least not one that that actually charted. I'm not sure how old Rakim actually is, but I know he still periodically he'll tour. I. I I have seen him perform. I, I want to say I last saw him perform in 2008. 55. And um, he's 55? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, he's he's getting up there. And, but and, as far as Scarface, I do know Scarface was having some some health issues. Because I remember when he caught COVID a couple years ago, it, it wasn't looking too good. He was hospitalized. He lost a bunch of weight. You know, and he had some other health issues that were kind of weighing him down. So, you know... I. We live in such a 
basically the moral of the story here is capitalism is evil <laughs> and okay. the way the way our healthcare okay. system is set up unless you're you're part of a of you have a full, working at a, a company full time where you can pay into health insurance you're probably not going to be covered in those later years you know yeah or not covered well because even even with those plans that you get through your employer there's all sorts of loopholes that they can find to not pay for certain treatments if they if that's the route they want to go uh trust me i know uh yeah. so, so it, it's hard to kind of determine like where these these aging rappers are in terms of like being able to access proper proper health care you know and because that's that's important as far as your quality of life you know if yeah. you sick all the time or run down you can't tour when you can't tour you can't make money yeah you know yeah. so i think i think what nas and and the horowitz couple and steve stout is doing is this is something that's that's needed and positive for for the culture really you know it's not not every day you see a good story uh associated with hip-hop but I'm, I'm glad that this is something that's becoming a thing and I, I hope to see more and more hip-hop pioneers uh be recipients of this 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 type of these type of grants uh in the near future most definitely most definitely real quick before we get into our album face off i forgot to ask this question um <laughs> as far as personalities in hip-hop uh, we know unfortunately uh Within the past year or two, we lost uh, Biz Marquis, who was kind of known as the clown prince of hip hop. Um, but since Biz Marquis has passed away, I just wanted to ask y'all, what rappers or personalities in hip hop do you find the most funny that honestly make you laugh and have a good sense of humor? You mean uh, laugh with or laugh at? I was laugh about with. to mention both. Oh. I, I, I'll say four. The oldest guy to the, uh, well, I mean, Shock G, I guess he, honorable mention, you know, Humpty Dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, Red yeah. Man, Red Man, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his videos was funny. His videos. Yeah. Was funny. Red Man, then uh, Ludacris. Yep, that's what I was about to say. Yep. Then Lil Dicky. Oh, no. See. 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 Go ahead, Marcellus. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Vince. Go ahead. Lil Dicky and then um just because the dude is a clown. Soldier boy. <laughs> oh, I forgot about Soldier Boy. I forgot. Yeah, Soldier Boy, we're laughing at him, not with him. I'm exactly. at Lil Dicky. Yeah. I ain't laughing with him, that's for sure. Here's my problem with Lil Dicky. I feel Lil Dicky is laughing at the culture and in a weird way is tongue in cheek making fun of the culture with the type of music and videos that he releases. That's why I don't really rock a Lil Dicky. You, you never really considered him like the Weird Al Yankovic of hip hop? No. Weird, Weird Al has talent. Lil Dicky well, ain't got no talent. Well, I, I, I can see that comparison. However, Weird Al is everyone when when Weird Al makes music, everybody's in on the joke. Right. It's yeah, I, yeah. I took this song and I made it about something else, mm. and now we're laughing at the something else that I just made the song about. Whereas with Lil Dicky, I feel like he's directly poking fun at 
what he feels are absurdities in the culture. And maybe they are absurdities to him, but being that he's not from the culture, from the culture right? I don't really rock with that type of... I feel you. And then you if know. somebody brings it out to him, then he's going to play victim. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Well, if any if any other culture was the closest to hip-hop, I think it would be Jewish people, right? <laughs> any other any other uh, race? Well, they 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 know oppression. I, I, I give you that. Yeah, but they, but their experiences are just different, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Experience. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, let's let's not get into an issue of Palestine thing. No, <laughs> no, we ain't gonna do that. Right. But yeah, those are the names that come to mind for me. Because um, little Dicky likes to be he likes to be comical when he raps, and he does it. He does it in a uh, in an effective way. But I do agree with the stuff you guys are mentioning. Um, but then I think of Ludacris because he he definitely always instituted some type of uh, comedy, whether it's through his uh, whether it's through his um, his videos doing something doing something weird in his videos or mm-hmm. just like some uh, the way he would the way he his uh, delivery would be on his songs. That he he <laughs> that that's my that was my go to, but just between him and Buster Rhymes. Oh and yeah, Buster too. Yeah, always something like I said, always something comical. Because like yeah. uh, Ludacris was, he was upside down in one video. He had a giant head in another video. He had that one giant foot in uh in one video. It's like, where is he coming up with this stuff? And he makes it work because it's it's it like it's his motif. It's it's his style, you know. Because like sometimes, yeah. like I said, when, when we was talking about it uh, another time, like your videos can completely take somebody out you know so i think back then people just more was more risk takers and more creative you know so exactly they, they were able to make stuff like what they did for buster rhymes and Ludacris and have it be funny and people rocked with it because it, it fit the persona of the album you was listening to anyway you know yeah like nowadays i, I think some of these videos is just Demonic, <laughs> <laughs> like, like y'all just y'all phoned this in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's, you, there's you no imagination. Be, be on videos, and then they would eventually start directing shorts and TV and movies. You know, hype uh, Williams stuff like that. Like nowadays, these are these are just whack videos, and I completely yeah, understand. It's a, it's a couple why they guys it's a couple guys that have added something to their videos that I think nobody else has really done. That's why I give huge shout out to Joyner Lucas. What he's doing with, with, with hip hop is something that's never been done at that level, at that higher level. Wait, wait, you said Joyner Lucas? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's got some interesting videos. I, I was just going to say the, the problem with videos now is that record labels aren't dumping a bunch of money into videos anymore so you have less money to work with you can't pay directors who are going to actually come up with original ideas that pop you can't afford extras you can't afford props i mean you probably can't afford it but they're not springing the money to have all these things for the for these videos these days now it's like well let's see if we could just get by doing the bare minimum you know yeah yeah. the the videos was creative though i mean 
tribe made the oh my god video and it was just on the back of a truck true but they dude they don't care about creative anymore they just don't care they 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 want return on their investment they want they want clicks they want controversy they want you know they, they want to draw eyes to the product and the product is the artist but they don't want a pony of the money to come up with something artful and creative to do that they'd rather just cash in on controversy or social media followers and popularity so okay then that times have just changed the artist for the sake of integrity should be willing to pony up the funds and, and Some do. write a contract to get a different cut you know because kanye is is definitely out there but the videos that he made for donda i gotta give him props for he's a i give him that i give him that he's a visionary especially like. <laughs> for, for um what was the album um darkest um you know what he in oh twisted dark fantasy twisted. yeah 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 that whole just telling the whole story the whole from beginning to end you don't have nothing like that no more no like, no not I, at all. I have zero interest in looking up anybody's videos if I'm, I got Apple Music. If your video ain't on Apple Music, I ain't gonna see it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not wasting my time YouTubing your video. You know? <laughs> nah, nah, you, you should check out Jordan Lucas uh, with some of his videos. I could give you. No, like, I've seen him. I've seen him on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, go, now going back to, to artists I find funny, I gotta put Vince Staples up there, man. He, he, <laughs> his interviews are hilarious. Like, did y'all see his oh, Uber, yeah. his Uber Eats one? The one where he was no. talking about Uber Eats and Instacart, and not not letting people not know, know where, where he, he lives. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got a lot to learn, my boy. <laughs> or, yeah, um, or when he was talking about <laughs> he was oh, and the dude was like, oh, you don't have people over, like you don't cook for people. He was like, you cook for people. He was like, man, you are a good, you have a good heart, my nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Every dying, <laughs> but he, he got that like about... that dry wit type of type of personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the same yeah. way on Abbott Elementary. And um, who else I got on here? I got man, dude. I actually got Drewski on here. Drewski, not, not familiar. Okay, Drewski. He he's he's kind of like the heavy set dude. Um, he was the dude who he was on like a viral video where like <clears throat> he was signing people to his label. He was having people yeah, come in he audition, and and this chick, this really thick oh, chick, came in, and he, <laughs> and he was I like, <laughs> and he, she was telling him her name, and he was like, that don't matter, that don't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right he, here, he's, he, he, he's a he's an artist. Yeah, yeah, he's a rapper. Oh, okay. I didn't know. I didn't realize he rap. I just thought he was like. <laughs> You know, one of them guys was just around it and, and was able to to make a make a um like a spot for himself. Like in terms nah. of just being known. That was him. I was like, that don't matter. That don't matter. <laughs> that's that's talent. <laughs> yeah, he over yeah, I'm looking up here on yeah. <laughs> from Viral Skits to music videos, Drew Skits Hip Hop's new favorite comedian. <laughs> yeah, that 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 whole clip. That, that that was hilarious. Yeah. I also got Cameron and Mace. Those dudes crack me up. <laughs> Those dudes okay, crack yeah. me up. 
Cam. Um, okay, well, yeah. We don't they, even they know how many bodies on the you. gun, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they're funny outside the music. Right, yeah, they're funny outside the music. They just, yeah, they just got got, got funny, endearing personalities. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't mind watching them. Um, man, you know who else is funny? Man, Tyler, the creator, is actually funny. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, he is funny. funny. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's I, I give him problems with that, it's, and he's younger than most of them. So, yeah, he could, he definitely could come in and be the the new you know gesture of uh hip-hop do y'all remember when he was on this was years ago he was on well not not he had a show right he had he had a skit show and he used to have freddie gibbs on there and everything and um but they had him on some show it it was it was 106 in park and they were asking him about his crushes his celebrity crushes and they had brought up iggy azalea and he was like, he was like, no, nah, Iggy looked like she stank. And he was like, yeah, he was just all like shocked. And he was like, plus, he was like, plus she gets shots in her thumper. He was like, we like real booty. Like, <laughs> 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 wow, dude is hilarious. Yup. Yep, that dude that is hilarious. Sounded like, yeah, that sounded like Tyler the Creator. Yup. Yeah, that's definitely him. <laughs> Oh man, but um, and then lastly, like, or I got two more. When is Yasin Bay? Y- Yasin Bay is funny when he's not trying to be funny. Like, yeah, when he's yeah, going yeah. off and com- complaining about something or going on a rant. He is hilarious. And then lastly, I got Ghostface Killer. Like, Ghostface Killer, check out check out his audio book, um, The World According to Pretty Tony. He's giving advice on hygiene, diets, relationships. It's it's I believe it is on YouTube, but he has an audio book where he's giving advice to people. And um, it's hilarious, bro. It's hilarious. What to do if you one of your, your, your people's got a booger in their nose. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious, man. But yeah, yeah, I, I can see to, that. <laughs> I wanted to cover that real quick. All right, so moving right along, man. We have a, we have two albums, man. Two legendary classic albums. I I didn't even realize till I did the research that these were released on the same day. Same um, day. <laughs> um, and I have. We'll be discussing the 30th anniversaries of the album, uh, "Enter the Wu Tang," uh, or "36 Chambers" by the Wu Tang Clan, and also. The third album from A Tribe Called Quest, uh, Midnight Marauders, uh, both released November 9th, 1993. And of course, this was Tribe's third album and this was Wu-Tang's debut album. So I wanted to kind of go through these one by one and kind of dive into these these different albums and discuss them. Uh, well, the first one I wanted to dive into was, was Wu-Tang Clan's debut album. Uh, Enter, Enter the Wu-Tang. It was released on uh, uh, BMG RCA Loud Records. It clocks in at, it clocks in at 52, I'm sorry, 58 minutes and 12 tracks. And, hey man, I'm gonna just say it, man. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> like, so, this album is a masterpiece. Um, I wanted to ask y'all, what was y'all's first exposure to this particular album? Like, 
you remember the who's, what's, when's, and how's you got exposed to uh, enter the Wu-Tang. You go ahead, Vince. Oh, well, <laughs> to be honest, it was a long time before I heard this album. Like, actual heard, actually heard the album. So, like, for years I had heard just different songs from the album, and I knew what album it was from, but I had never actually heard the album straight through. Um, I have no real reason as to why that happened. It just, that's just how it happened, you know. But, like, the songs are the songs. <laughs> you know, these, these things, these songs have, have lasted the test of time, and there's, there's, there's comic references from them. There's, there's a uh, just cultural, um, like you remember it culturally. Like you, there's some people that probably might not have even heard the album that have heard certain things from the album, and they like know what it's from. It's almost like a Star Wars type situation. Like some people have never seen Star Wars, but they know who Han Solo is. They know who Chewbacca is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, they they know the the references or the you know, you are my son, you know type type references, mm. and this album has the same thing going on with. It. Indeed, indeed. So when you said what was this ninety three it dropped? Yep, ninety three. So when that dropped. I think I was, I still had money from eighth grade, from like graduating from eighth grade. So I got, at the time I got the, I got the cassette, because who had it? No, a friend of mine had it and I dubbed it. That's what happened. I didn't actually get Wu-Tang until I got my first job, which was probably in like 95, maybe 95. And I remember getting it from Sam Goody, but I actually got Midnight Marauders first. But I remember okay. when it came out because one of my guys was before I met Isaac. One of my guys came and and we was rolling around in the car, and it was just like, this is crazy, <laughs> like the because at that time, if you were into something that wasn't quote unquote black, it was it was like you were shunned. Oh, you don't know how to play spades. You don't know, you know, y'all, y'all don't know how to dance. You don't, you don't play no ball. You know, oh, you reading these comic books? These dudes took kung fu movies and put them in the gangster rap. I, I, yep. what, do you understand the 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 mindset you would have to have? You know what I'm saying? To not only piece that together. But also, m- like, make this work. Because there's plenty of times well, we've seen genres clash and all that type of stuff. You know, rap rock and country rock and, and all that type. You know, it's, it's like, whatever. But that, to, to take the visual element, because that's what you know Kung Fu from. But they used the sounds from it. You know? And they yeah. carried that theme for decades. And it worked. Yeah, they, they um... They definitely blended it, but they were the first ones to let to let the world know that there was a fascination with the hood and kung fu movies because it's always been there. You it's know? always right. It's always been there, but they 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 let the world know. Um, 
And then it finally was like, hey, it's okay. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. okay, guys. We we know everybody loves kung fu movies, man. Right. Because like I said, if you, you was talking about, you know, man, I'm going to watch, what was it, uh, back then, Samurai Sunday? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Samurai Sunday, you know. On, and, channel, on channel 66. 66, yep. And I hated when that mess changed and uh, it was the Spanish channel. I watched the Spanish channel just with Sofia Vergara. <laughs> like okay i'm sticking with channel 66 then but like i said uh samurai sundays i mean they had they had stuff that you could get nowhere there was no internet what was you gonna get this stuff and because it was so so um um niche it's not like you could just go to blockbuster yeah blockbuster existed then you know it's not like you could go to blockbuster and just rent this it, it would have to be really really popular in order for you to even get it you know yeah it, it was like you sat back and took a musical style that was underground and a, a cultural style from within America that was underground because yeah this stuff was popular over you know over east but people just basically knew Enter the Dragon and whatever Chuck Norris was in yep, so when you talk yeah. about Shogun's Assassin Shaolin versus Llama Shaolin versus Wu-Tang like man like you, you really digging into the crates with that crippled Avengers? You know what I'm saying? So, yep. Like, <laughs> the the like the Legend of Golden Arms. You had yep. Drunken Master. Drunken Master. Yep. Five Deadly Venoms. Five Deadly Venoms. They use that one Toad style. <laughs> it's unusually right. strong. Yeah. yeah. I remember. I remember my first exposure to this. My brother. Uh, Because I didn't hear it in 93 I heard it probably like 95, 96 My brother My brother had Either borrowed it or stole it From a a classmate or whatever (laughs) Because of course you know He was he was three years older than me so he was He was already in high school at this point I remember him bringing it home And I remember looking at the cover And just being really really intrigued By the cover And um, I want to see It was a cassette in fact and um, I remember popping it in and listening to it and hearing the Kung Fu samples, hearing the, or, or should I say the samples from the Kung Fu movies yep. being played to introduce the songs. And of course, I remember the torture skit. I played that to death. <laughs> um, and it was just it was just so intriguing to me. I had never heard anything like it. Those two worlds melding together, the hip hop and like Kung Fu movies. And yeah, man, it was just, it was just, it was like nothing I'd ever heard before. And it kind of created like a, a, my, my lifelong fascination with, with Wu-Tang Clan. Cause after that, I was like, okay, I got to hear whatever else these guys got, you know? Yep. Cause right off the bat, I loved, I love Inspector Deck, ODB, of course, uh, Ghostface Killer, of course, Method Man. I even liked you God in the beginning. Um, but that's the know, tripped out part about it too. You have a literal clan. It's nine of them. When was the last time you seen somebody a group that big? Backstreet Boys, New Kids on the Block, the Jackson. Man, Jackson you know, like when was the last time they you broke? Saw, and, they and, broke so. Yeah, they broke so many. They were willing to come out with so many, like, just things you don't do, you know, and they. It just it just bombarded you with it. You just got smacked in the face with it when you first heard it. It's like this is you know, like we here, this is what we doing. 
and 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 and, and they brought bars. Part of it, you know, <laughs> yeah. Because it wasn't yeah. it wasn't like you was you was in a situation where okay these two is on the song I'm gonna skip it. Nah, these three on the song I'm gonna skip it. Nah, chances are you that was a no skip album. For you. you know what I'm saying? You just I'm gonna just listen to this all the way through because it's just that type of album. Now maybe later on you said okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go and skip some tracks because I already know who my favorite is and blah blah blah. But that first album nah you, you went went through the whole thing and and they just did stuff they just did stuff i would have would have never seen coming can it all be so simple cream like people to this day still use cream probably ain't never even listened to the song don't even know where it come from yep you know, to yeah, this day, I still always, see it always, periodically online where people will say, you know, cash rules everything around me. Yeah. Well, dude, you you 19, 20 years old. I know you ain't heard this track as much as I have. You know, but it's it's like part of the culture. It's infused into the culture now. Yeah, it's yeah, part of the like lexicon. I said, man. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Star, Star Wars, man. It's yep. the Star Wars of uh, hip hop. <laughs> yep, that's a good way of putting it. Yep, yep. yep. So, so for man, for me, yeah, it was it, it was mind blowing, man. It was mind blowing. I, 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 like I said, I had never heard anything like it. Um, now, now for you all, how do y'all feel this album has aged? Where do y'all put it in, and where do y'all put it in the Wu Tang Clan's discography as far as like placement? Is it is it the best album? Number two, number three? How do y'all feel about it after thirty years? Yeah, I, I don't know where to place it. This isn't a top five. You um, mean when you say the albums, you mean as a group or even including individual members? Oh, no, no, no. They just as the group. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, it's uh, I, I say it's top three. No, it's top because, three. Um, yeah. Um, because honestly speaking, this may be the only album that DJs, well, no, you got Triumph, that's played. Mm-hmm. No, you got It's Yours, so. Yeah. Now, there yeah. are a couple songs from, from different it. albums that yeah. that uh-huh. DJs utilize, but not nowhere near as much as this album. Like, this, the DJs use this album to play music off of. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, people going to listen to Triumph. Like, they going to play that. Yeah. Um, it's yours. They play that because you know it's a, they got that sampled. That sampled. Uh, that's been sampled a, a couple times, and you can use that to to blend different songs together and stuff. But um, yeah, it's definitely top three. Yeah, 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 yeah. top three. Yeah, I mean, I I put it at number two. Like I'm I'm. I've been on the record before um, praising uh, Wu Tang Forever and how I think that is Wu Tang Clan's like high watermark uh, creatively, but this is a close second behind it. I mean, like you listen to it at now, and it, it it does sound just very raw and unpolished, but just just dope. And Which you is deliberate. T- yeah, yeah, it was yeah. deliberate. Like like RZA was literally beating on like a. The bottom of a trash can on one song that helped mm-hmm. create the beat. Yeah. And I'm reading from this book. I got this book called uh, Check the Technique by Brian Coleman. 
it gives a breakdown of like uh, a bunch of different classic hip hop albums. And it was saying how on here it says with the with the recording of this album, base, basically to determine who rapped on what track, RZA would get them all in the studio, all the MCs in the clan in the studio, and they would have to battle each other. And whoever had the best verse got put on the track. Hmm. So that explains how they hmm. get their they skills up. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the the level of competition was. It was it was very high. It was very fierce in the be- even in the beginning, you know, and you know what having them all in the studio at the same time too is like there's a certain energy mm-hmm. when you have the people that you're creating with in the studio with you and you're able to feed off each other, and it was the amount the the chemistry that they had in those early days was just uncomparable, and it's like it's a shame that they were never able to recapture that. Uh, after you know, in their later years, and after uh, Wu Tang Forever, because it really did make a difference. To, know, be, really to be real with you, I'm glad they didn't, because that's what makes it classic. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like never meet your heroes. Like you want your people to go out on top, you know. And for me, I really didn't listen Wu Tang as a, as a group like that after because I was in college listening to it when I was working in a computer class you know Wu-Tang Forever so um, but I really wasn't into them like that after I got out of college you know so in like 96, 97 so yeah. it was like I, that that was the high point for me you know same thing like I wasn't really into basketball but I watched Michael Jordan so when Jordan left you know he went to Grant Park and saw him the last time after the sixth win that was the high point for me. I never watched no games with Jordan. Was with the Wizards. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, right. they made yeah. some albums yeah. after Triumph, but I didn't listen to them. So the high point for me was yeah. was Triumph. You know? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I agree Just with from you. Pers- but you know, like, my perspective. Yeah, but um, they had they had so much success on their own. They almost mm. became like no addition. It was hard to get them in the same room, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it was just hard at a certain point. But I will, I do agree on all the talking points you guys spoke about, and especially when he talks about the rawness of it. Um, you see, like you can hear the you can hear the youth in them too. Mm-hmm. But then um, uh, Wu Tang Forever, there was a seasoning to them. As far as production, as far as wh- how they rap, like they really, polished. yeah, they really, they really melted into their style and got comfortable with it. Like even like the one that comes to mind the most to me is Method Man. You see a difference in how comfortable he is on, on for Wu Tang Forever um, than uh, than than on this album. Like he was just a little bit more gritty on his first one but I think he was just trying to be be more like the other guys but on Wu-Tang Forever you can see he was more comfortable with who he was and the way he got down it was you know it was just I, I, I just saw the difference but man you right it, it might be the second that, best you said yeah. what? I, I think he came into his own when, when everybody saw him on Takao and Takao was 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 a banger, you know. Yeah. So then you you really you know saw what he could do in the comfort zone when you know Forever came out. Yeah. But I think yeah. it was because of so many of them, it was just something for everybody. Yeah. 
and it was in all honesty it was different it, it you know when it came to gangster rap in the early 90s like the west coast had that on lock and but wu-tang clan made the east coast sound edgy and dangerous again you know you had groups like you know de la soul and a tribe called quest and black sheep representing the east coast but their style was very jazzy and um socially conscious yeah socially conscious and very afrocentric mm. and but and then you had like the hardest edge east coast group was probably at the time maybe like public enemy you know but they were very political in their messaging what about mob deep how far back mob deep go yeah yeah mob, mob, mob deep, deep goes yeah. back to 90 they go, they'll go back to 93 but their first album was was kind of whack and nobody really paid attention to them until they gotcha. dropped the infamous in 95. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. And and and, and, and and go ahead, Vince. Well, and they um, it was a different thing going on with them. Um, it was it was like street cats, but it from the optics, it just wasn't the same. They was they were little guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. they definitely were street cats, and they definitely looked dangerous. But it still wasn't, you know, it still wasn't the same as like well. What he's what we talking about as far as like West Coast having it on lock, and then you know you got my beat, you know the you know guys with with little man syndrome, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they 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 and what they rapped about it was very I don't want to say nihilistic, but it was it was definitely different from the vibe that groups like Tribe and Daylight were on. You know, it was definitely more street tales, more more gritty. You know, they touched a lot on the harsh environment of Staten Island and the conditions that they grew up in. And, you know, they and they, they had personality. They had like they were able to sell themselves. You know what I'm saying? You had the ghost face killer who ne- back then never showed his face. He always had a stocking mask on. You had you had the old dirty bastard and how he used to rap. And, you know, there was no father to his style. And, you know, and then you had Method Man coming in with the with the gruff voice, you know what I'm saying? And, and the raw rhymes and then Rizza's production. It was just, you you were, and then Jizza with his cerebral lyrics. It's like, you would just, you would never really seen anything like it. You know, you just never really seen anything like it. Still haven't. No, yeah, still haven't. And, pro- and probably, probably never will. Probably never yeah, will probably, again. Never, so many people never will. solo. Yeah. Yeah, never will. It's, it, 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 nobody's gonna entertain nine guys anymore like that. But they all were dynamic enough where it was like you you didn't want to miss out on the next person's uh verse mm-hmm. because you knew it was gonna be something interesting and possibly probably something you never heard of. He's gonna be put on game. Especially when Cold World came out. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, but I man. think one of the things like like to your point, even though it was gritty, they still had tracks like Tears, they still had tracks like Can It Be So Simple. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they that 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 showed. Hey, this is this is hardcore. This is rough. This is what we at, but we still do feel. And that I think that was something that was unique for a whole group of black men to do. So they had the yin yang going, where you know one second you talking about bring the ruckus, and the next second you talk about can it be so simple, you know, and, and yeah. how you wish it was, and and stuff that you missed out on because it was so hard you know right so, like and said, after it, laughter comes the tears yeah, exactly 
exactly so for now for all of that to be in their first album in addition to all this kung fu mess yeah that was you you never we never gonna get something like that again no not not at all not at all it's one of those things where you you literally could say what a time to be alive (laughs) because what was what was back then the box and you could call stuff in vh1 mtv actually showed videos so you could actually see the videos for this stuff you know so if you didn't have access to the the album you knew the videos was gonna come on at a certain time because you knew where they was ranked on mtv and vh1 you know yeah so i don't even think you had the box in 93 i think you had you might have had rap city yeah yeah bet was was on it yeah yeah because when i got back to chicago that's when we had the box and that was 88 right right yeah so i said uh and and that's how you got word out you had to make a video there wasn't no internet you know yep you had to make a video and you had to get 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 your airplay you know so it's like oof yeah it with I think about I think about people who seen Prince in person in his heyday. People who seen Jimi Hendrix in person in his in his heyday. You know what I'm saying? Or the Beatles or Rolling Stones. Like I, I get it now. When when it's like, what a time to be alive. I'm not mm. even into music like that, but I completely understand the concept because it's like this is something that may never show up again. Most deaf, yeah, most yeah. deaf, and do and to see them perform the cuts from this album live, oh my god! Like it, the album sounds different performed live. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's just a different energy, man. It's just a different energy hearing this album perform live. Like it, it's almost like a whole different album. A little interesting uh, trivia here: it says as far as the photograph for the album cover. It only featured uh, six members uh, mm. since they all didn't show up. Uh, you got was in jail for a parole violation uh, while Method Man had been arrested earlier that day for marijuana possession. So um, as not every member of the group was present for the shoot, six members all wore stocky masks to conceal their uh, faces. And they also, uh, the photo was shot. It working for It did, it did. Yeah, it did. Because that, that album cover is still iconic. Yep. And the album the album cover photo sh- uh, photo was actually shot in a uh, at the time an abandoned synagogue. And uh, they had to they had to bring in their own props or whatever to kind of like fill out the, the pictures for the for the CD artwork. Because I remember the CD artwork. Wait a, like, Wait a minute. Is is that where they were on location for Mystery of Chess Boxing? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. It just says for the for the CD for the album cover shoot. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, a place called the Angel Orenson Center. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a, it was an abandoned synagogue. But uh, real quick, man, your five favorite tracks from Enter the Wu Tang. And that's hard. <laughs> that's hard. I got mine, man. I got mine. I, I got. I'm going with. Can it be all so simple? Cream, Method Man, Shame on a Nigga, and Tears. Hey, that okay. I'm gonna switch your last two with Protect Your Neck and Mystery of Chess Box. 
Okay, fair enough. You can't you can't go wrong with those either. Okay, protect your neck. I've heard it so much that I don't have to ever hear it again. It's like I can literally <laughs> I can literally like hear the song in my head without ever hearing you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Shame, shame on the shame on the nigga, man. Which was just so. <laughs> that's definitely one. It's definitely one of them. Method Man. That's definitely one. Cream. Uh, Clan in the front. Oh yeah, I, I don't know how y'all not saying that one, man. <laughs> that's a good one too. It's just the the beat, it's man. Really it's no just skip album. Me. But it really, it, it really is, time. man. Yeah. Shame on the nigga method, man. Clan in the front, preen, and uh, it could all be so simple. And it all be so simple. Uh, I, I can roll with that. Those you can't, you cannot lose with those. You cannot lose with those. All right, man. All right. So let's move right along, man, to the other album celebrating the thirty-year anniversary, man. A tribe called Quest. Uh, Midnight Marauders, man. This was their third album, um, released, of course, November 9th, 1993, uh, on Jive Records, and uh, it clocks in at 51 minutes and 14 tracks. This was the album. Look, there, there are two types of tribe fans: those who think that Low End Theory is their best album, and those who know Midnight Marauders is their best album. <laughs> <laughs> and I fall in the latter group. So, like, <laughs> um, what was y'all's first exposure to this particular album, uh, which is also celebrating thirty years? The War Tour, the um, video. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that was True Boy's voice on the beginning yep. of that track. Man, R.I.P. Yeah, yeah. That's the, how the Wayne's brothers, the Wayne's brothers show. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> oh, but you're right. You're yeah, right. You know, like, Vince. Relaxation. Yeah. You know what, Vince? That that was probably my first time hearing the track uh, "Electric Relaxation," but I didn't know that when I heard it on the Wayne's brothers show, I didn't know that that's what that that. that it was from this album or from this group and i remember hearing it and being like man that is the dopest beat where did they get that beat and it wasn't for some time maybe like a year or two later that i figured that i was able to connect the dots and figured out that it was from from this that tribe song from the single from the album and i was like oh man that's where they got it from but real talk like that was not like the first time my i, I remember recognizing that particular song you know yeah. on the on the wayans brothers intro yeah so this was around the time the purge as i call it man uh in in my house my father did away with all hip-hop you know (laughs) it's just part of the purge but he loved tribe so like he would always find a way to, to be involved with tribe you know how like you know how like they had a jazz ver it had a jazz versions of uh different hip-hop songs mm-hmm. so he would always yeah he would he would have that so like electric relaxation he had like the jazz version of it that's that's what, what, what my first introduction of this was and then when i when i finally pieced it all back together to where it came from i was like yeah i got to hear this album yeah yeah, I was I was so glad I got that on on cassette, like the first week it came out, because I, I remember 
on what was it like 111th and Halsted it was some raggedy mall or something like that that was like you know a few blocks from me and be able to like ride my bike up there and, and oh the Halsted Indoor Mall yeah that, that, that mall it was always it was <laughs> always some drama dude yeah always. I remember somebody always, always getting shot somebody always getting robbed <sighs> dude I, I went up in that joint I this to this day this is how i shop because of that that, that experience i went up in there because now now i got my bike so i'm like okay what am i gonna do so uh, and there's nowhere to put your bike and somebody's gonna just snatch this thing you know and then you know like you said it was it was during the purge i was going through the same thing at my house right so i'm like i'm copping this out because i remember my babysitter back in the day she gave me my very first rap album and it was low end theory on cd mm. so connected them dots you know what i'm saying so i was like okay i'm a i'm a tribe friend from this point on so then when midnight marauders came out it's like okay i don't have a cd player i, I gotta get the cassette but the cassette will be easier you know because we had sony walkman you know so it's like okay okay i gotta get this so I was like, let me time this mess out. It was like Ocean's Eleven because I had to time it out in between times where folks was gone from the house. But I had to get back in time before they knew I had left because, of course, they're going to ask, well, what, what you doing? Where you going? Why are you going there? You know, that type of junk. <laughs> so it, it, it's like I had to plan that mess out like Ocean's Eleven. So, so typical, I, typical black parents. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I had to actually bring the bike into the mall, like by the door go straight to the section go straight to the album put the cassette on the counter give them the money put it in my pocket like like it literally took me probably two and a half minutes and i was out oh wow you weren't playing i wasn't dude i was probably what 90 pounds soaking wet in homeschool i don't know nothing about no streets (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm saying and and i knew i didn't know you know because probably what 93 my cousin had already been shot like twice so i was like no this is not this is not the life for me you know wow got back home probably took a whole 20 minutes got back home had my little drawer where i had all the cassettes laid up and had the little the few cds i had and i slid it right there in between people's instinctive travels and my lonely theory uh cassette so like i said wow. uh because i didn't i didn't want to get wu-tang like i said too i actually started working in 94 95 and i went and bought the album then but it but i tried was more my speed anyway because i wasn't for the streets you know what i mean right right so so it was already and you know and tribe had been out you know so i was like this is you know this is right up my alley yeah yeah and it's a no skip album it really is man it really is i listened to it on the way home uh home today unlike unlike low end theory there's a couple of skips on low end theory oh we have discussed that at length yeah there are a couple of skips on low end theory but like yeah to me this is a no skip album like i first got exposed to it i actually was already a tribe fan like the first the first album, the first hip hop album I had ever bought with my own money was Beats, Rhymes, and Life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, oh man, this was a couple years after that. I was hanging out with Nigel, and Nigel used to bump Lewin Theory like 
to the point where like I was getting sick of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And like I ended up because he was always bumping low in theory. I ended up going to cop Midnight Marauders. And on first listen, I remember thinking like, yo, this is actually I think this is actually better than the last joint. And we used to get get have arguments, man, like throw down arguments about which one of these albums was better. But man, dude, ain't no way you 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 can tell me that Midnight Marauders is not their best album. Like I got oh, plenty of love. Best album. Yeah, I got plenty of love for Low End Theory. Low End Theory is their most influential album. Yeah, and, and their most and their most iconic album. But as far as like the quality of the music. Mm-hmm. The, the samples were jazzier, the drum, the drum work, the percussion on here was better and more pronounced. And lyrically, they went up a notch, you know, oh, lyrically. Eight million stories. Yeah, Fife showed up. Bruh. So, I, I was listening Fife to always that shows up. For real. <laughs> no matter what anybody thinks. <laughs> like, man, like, how is Fife not on the list? When we was talking about, you know, 50 uh, greatest. Like Fife wasn't on the list, Q Tip wasn't on the list. Like, nah, you got what? But they got what? City Girls on the list or something nonsense? Like, get out of here! Oh yeah, yeah. Man, that that list, uh, <laughs> man. Let me be quiet. <laughs> Not be on a tangent. Yeah, but this was this was yeah. It still is my my favorite album of theirs. A little unknown fact about Midnight Marauders: uh, Pharrell from. Uh, the Neptunes almost had a verse on this album, but he said he jacked up his verse so much, like they ended up not using it. Mm. But um, I thought that was interesting that that he was on the scene that that early, you oh, know, yeah, yeah. And, and and building bridges in the music industry and and was gelling with him, you know, him and him and Q-Tip are still tight to this day. And it he was, almost uh, had- he's uh, what's the face cousin? So, um, Timberland. So Timberland was probably showing them the ropes. Oh, okay, okay. I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, I didn't know they were cousins. Yeah, Pharrell and Timberland. Yeah, yep. yeah. Oh wow, must run in the family. They, they just been letting that known like mm. the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It was on the interview together. It's on YouTube. Oh wow, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but what I what I like about Try Man. Oh, another thing about this particular album, the interludes too between the songs, you know, with them explaining the, the Midnight Marauders mm-hmm. concept, but then also like like slipping in some like anti-gun, anti-violence messaging uh in between the different uh tracks. And I, I think that was an interlude where they were promoting safe sex too. So mm-hmm. like Tribe was always they they always felt like a, for lack of a better word, a responsible rap group. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, they weren't it they was, weren't out here being too reckless with it. You know, yeah, a, a responsible rap group that still still snuck in subliminals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, then you know. like I said, this this album completely changed because at the time, being a teenager in your rebellious phase, it's like. Okay, you know, um, when did the Chronic come out? Because all that stuff was out at the same time for me. The Chronic came out in '92. Yeah, yeah. So, Chronic was out. You know, obviously NWA was already out. You know, like I said, West Coast had the, the whole thing on lock. But I was listening to it because it was rebellious. So, I I didn't really know anything about 
like Far Side or Black Sheep, that type of stuff, until after I met Isaac. So the only person, the only the only group I really gravitated towards, I really didn't even know De La Soul. You know, mm. the only this was the only group where it's like I don't feel like listening to gangster rap. I feel like listening to something else, something I can relate to. You know, and yeah, this is a little bit more relatable. You know? I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up because I was I was listening to somebody on TikTok explaining why tribe was so influential and such an important group I, I can't remember who this guy was but he was basically saying that tribe redefined black masculinity mm-hmm. uh, and what with with their music and how they carried themselves and even even with how they dressed you know yeah. in the early days of course that that was a they they kind of they kind of grew out of that like th- those wow like afrocentric clothes that they used to wear in the mm-hmm. beginning but like you know, they just kind of they exemplified the 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 everyday man that just so happened to like hip hop music. Yeah. You know, and it was their music was very casual and cool and while it was Afrocentric, it wasn't it wasn't as heavy handed as say public enemy, where yeah. it was a call to arms basically with every track, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and it was more of a uh, um a Afrocentric humanist movement, you know, and of course you know they were influenced a lot by the native tongues and jungle mm-hmm. brothers de la soul but like tribes music well they was with the native tongues wasn't they right right they did yeah, they yeah. were part of the native tongues but when it when it came to just music I, I think tribes music just it was a cut above the rest and that's that's no shade to any of the other native tongues because obviously de la soul they got classics too but yeah it was just something about tribe you know and you know what they were doing on records you know you know the whole midnight marauders theme they they explain that on the album that they are looting for people's ears mm-hmm. um they like and they like to listen to you know most of their music at night at night yeah yeah um you know which, which definitely made sense but yeah this 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 was a great album and and and, and to me a, a improvement on their last two albums which is and, saying and a lot yeah it really is and and I think that's one of the things that I appreciated about Tribe too. You saw them grow. And for me, because I'm closer to age to them, you really saw them go through different transitions in life. So when I listened to the low end theory, when we first came back, you know, from Chicago, uh, from St. Louis, it was probably what ninety one. When I when low end theory came out, ninety ninety one. Yeah, that was ninety one. Yeah, so that meant that uh, People's Instinctive Travels had come out even earlier in the eighties. It came out in ninety. Actually, came out nineteen ninety. Right, right on the right on the end of it. So it's like, okay, I'm sitting here bumping both of those back and forth, and you can tell they grew from People's Instinctive Travels to Low End Theory. Then you can tell they grew from Low End Theory to Midnight Marauders. But as an individual, you think about where you were when those things were happening. You grew too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah, though it's only just yeah. three, four years, you know, in in between. You know, so like I said, so it, it resonated with me. Like, what what are you thinking? What are you trying to do? You know, you it felt like they understood your existential crisis as a black man in America. 
as a young kid, young black kid in America, like where are you going in life? You know, you don't have opportunities that other people have. You don't have the connections. What are you going to do? How are you going to get in the room? You know, that type of thing. And and they gave you, especially like I said, eight million stories. Fife is just minding his business. <laughs> he's literally t- talking about a day where he's he talking about getting uh, a doll for his brother and they broke in the car that's one of the best tracks on the album and the date remember the date that went wrong yeah <laughs> so like I said it was, it was just one of those things where it was like they, they like you said they just really represented the, the everyday black man like we, like they weren't the ones that was causing this stuff, but this is where they lived. So, okay, how am I going to deal with it? And I thought it was a good uh, juxtaposition at the time. Like, this is how Wu-Tang is going to deal with it. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> this is how we're going to deal with it. Uh, we're going to put on some hoodies and pick up some machetes and exactly. we're going to fight back and we're going to take on these Kung Fu monikers. <laughs> and, and Tribe was like, y'all do you. And I'm gonna do me. And yeah. it was, and that's one thing I did appreciate about New York. It, it always felt like it was big enough for everybody. It never felt like you had to choose. It was enough for everybody to go around. I don't remember Wu Tang and, and Nas and Tribe having no beef like that. You know what I'm saying? Think about all the rap groups that can rap folks that came out of New York. They wouldn't have no beef like that because it was enough room for everybody all those different styles all those different cultures and man and it's like every time somebody come out now it's like they gotta have beef with somebody else they were they were misunderstandings but there were no real beefs that they took to record like like if you recall like Nas and Noriega had a problem with the roots after they dropped uh, the what they do video Mm -hmm. and again that's New York versus Philly so right right but yeah, they were there was some hurt feelings over that video. <laughs> but, um, another thing I wanted to say about Tribe, man, um, the the album cover. It's like their first three albums, man. They're actually honestly the first four. The first like, four, yeah. Stunning artwork on mm-hmm. the, on the cover of them. You know, yeah. with the red, black, and green motifs. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and with this particular album cover, all the faces of like their hip hop peers who had their picture taken for the album cover for me it showed a, a like you just touched on marcellus like it, it was a very this the spirit of camaraderie was very alive and well yeah, yeah back then in hip-hop i mean now you you know different albums had different people on it what do you mean like my cd didn't have the same people on it as my cassette oh okay okay i i got you yeah yeah yeah, some people it got was, cut off, right? Some, some, yeah, it was it was their version of the purple tape, that type of thing. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah I, I do remember hearing that. Yeah. Um, because my wife bought me a copy of it on vinyl for anniversary gift, and it the back of it definitely looks different. It's definitely more faces mm-hmm. than I remember. I would have to compare to see the actual CD, which I don't still have. It overlaps, have. but it's it's one giant image and it's chopped up. Gotcha. Like, gotcha. remember with uh, Things Fall Apart, they have four different album covers. But I think it's like one long image. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, because uh, 
my guy back in the day. He he bought all four of them. Because uh, oh, wow. I bought I bought one. I think it was the one with the with the fire hose, or the person with the getting attacked by the dog, or I forget which one it was. But the one we always see is the with the the girl running with the woman. Yeah, running. Yeah, yeah, that's the one we always see. But it's like four different album covers. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, they sure yeah. did do that. They sure yeah. did do that. So with Tribe, it's like they got one giant picture, and then they chopped it into sections. And then I think they distributed it uh, based off of not area, not not time zones, but um, like East Coast got something, Midwest got something, West Coast got something, you know that type of thing. Oh, that was smart. Or it was like certain sto- stores got a version because, like I said, my my cassette, which I got that day, I didn't get the CD until I was working. That was a year and a half, two years later. You know what I'm saying? When I was working downtown, went and got it from Sam Goody. So maybe it was it was uh the print run you know I, I really couldn't say i'd have to look it up to see how they did it maybe it was like a certain amount of prints had this this album cover and then the next print had a different album cover you know because it wasn't like i copped all of them at the same time okay okay yeah but the roots they they did have album all those album releases at the same time all those four covers i do remember that but man they were they were finding the alternate covers was hard dude it was really hard like uh because they were they were limited editions but things fall apart yeah the alternate covers i'm i had a job i was driving so it wasn't hard for me to find it oh wow okay you know what i'm saying because because like i said me and my guy terry we had we had we had all of we had the covers yeah, because the only one I could find, honestly, was the, the the only alternate one I could find was the one with the little kid crying. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was the only other one I I actually saw, like out in the wild. But um, but yeah, man, to have to have, you know, West Coast artists posed up on your album cover too, uh, people like the Far Side and um, you know, MC Light. Crazy Legs, Mr. Wiggles, mm. Buster Rhymes, Black Moon, Beastie Boys. It showed it showed how hip hop, the, the figures in hip hop at that time had each other's back and supported each other. And for sure, yeah. you know, um, it was just, you know, it, it really was a, a great era. It really was a great era. Now, favorite five tracks from Midnight Marauders. That's that's harder than uh, I know. Wu-Tang. I know. I know. I, I tell you, I tell you a couple that folks to sleep on. We can get down in lyrics to go. I, Those I are on my list. Those are on my list. Fantastic. I never hear them come up in the in the conversation like when I'm talking about this album. I have. <laughs> I have eight million stories. We can get down. Clap your hands. Electric relaxation and lyrics to go. Okay, so I got a war tour, electric relaxation, eight million stories. We can get down and lyrics to go. Oh wow! And and, and oh my God, is like right at yeah. That's points. an honorable mention right there. You know, <laughs> dude, did you see they on on, on YouTube that somebody took? Somebody took and looped the Buster Rhymes part from "Oh My God" from the hook, mm-hmm. and looped it for eleven minutes straight, and just, 
and just made a video out of it on YouTube, man. It's like it's something I watch when I just need to cheer myself up. But like, it's it's the it's the craziest but dopest thing ever, man. Just eleven minutes. Oh my god! Yes, oh my god! <laughs> man, <laughs> that that was that was classic. That was. I, I can't believe this dude has been around, but this has got to be forty something years. Buster, yeah, he because when did leaders of the leaders of the new school? He, he cut through a scenario. Scenario was what was ninety when Lord yeah, scenario was ninety one. Yeah, but man, leaders of the new. I feel like I feel like they came out in the eighties, didn't they? They did. That's what I'm saying. They had to be very late eighties. Hold up, I'm about to Man. look it up now. And Buster Rhymes looks so different. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay, so they formed, they formed a group. They formed a group in '86. Uh huh. Um, but their first their first album didn't drop till '91. But still, that's 32 years. Yeah, it do still on people's tracks. Busted and had so many transformations as an uh, artist. Yup. Man, oh man. From, he went from comedy to like theatrics to like hood to just an old man appreciating life now, you know? <laughs> yup. He, yeah, he it's, it's, it's how good many to albums see. With him was uh, he on with Tribe? Three? Was it the second, third, and fourth one? No, he was um, on. He was on um, um, Love Movement too. He was on Love Movement, and he was yep. on uh, We Got It From Here. Thank you for your service. Wow, but Buster pretty much gonna do do it. He's gonna have some part, some play in anything Q Tip does. Man. Wow. Buster's around, man. Wow, that's like I said, that's that's some loyalty right there, man. Yeah, they 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 brought him back for that last album, man. I was <clears throat> I was wow. so happy to hear that. Have, have y'all ever seen that clip of um, Tyler, the creator, giving Buster Rhymes his flowers? Yup. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool video to see uh, a new school artist actually, you know, giving props to to, to the, one of the pioneers, you know, and it's just, mm. you don't, you don't see that often, you know, but, you know, artists like Tyler, it shows through their music that like, they're building on top of the foundation that these other guys have laid and they're, they're creating something new with it. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, not, not shocked to see that, but yeah, I thought that was cool. Vince, man, you, you got your five or five tracks for us. Yeah. I, um, I feel like award award tour and electric relaxation that shouldn't even be mentioned because those are just, those are just like so iconic. You gotta, you gotta find, you gotta find two more to add on. You know what I'm saying? Um, but midnight, we can get down. Um, eight million stories, lyrics to go, and I love me some sucker nigga. <laughs> <laughs> the beat fits it so well. <laughs> I love yeah, me you some know what? Nigga. About that, I'm glad you brought that up, Vince, because that was like one of the first tracks in hip hop where they somebody actually explained and articulated why black people use the term nigga. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah, they explained nigga, it. Nigga. 
very well, you know, and, and how we were able to take something and flip it just out of our own craftiness and, and you know, uh, and, and make something, you know, turn something that was bad into something that we now own. And, you know, for many people, it's a privilege to say, you know, not not for everyone, but some, right. some people view it that way. Yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> because that was that was a, a thing. That was a conversation happening back mm-hmm. in the early 90s. It's like, why do they say the N word so much? It's like, that's that's how y'all want to be. That's what y'all want to be called. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it was it was a mark against the genre, actually, for, yeah. for you know, a lot of a lot of baby boomers who just didn't get the didn't get the culture, but you know, you go back and you listen to those last poets albums from the seventies that they were listening to. Mm-hmm. You know, they say nigga they plenty. It to it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they said nigga plenty. So um yeah, that I, I that's that's was a very important track, you know. Um I'm yeah. glad you brought that up, Vince. Um but yeah man, I just wanted to get these two albums their props, man. Thirty years, bro. Thirty. 30 we are getting old man like i said what a time to be alive dude i, I think about some yeah. of these people uzi vert is gonna be yo yo you know what i'm saying yo buster rhymes like wow that trips me out like that that's your king is that your king <laughs> <laughs> you know like y'all y'all over here thinking drake is somebody like wow like to to be there when this stuff is is on and popping like it was and then look at where it's where it where it is now or quote unquote where it is now so so i know it'll it'll eventually evolve into into something else you know but like i said this is man i'm gonna be listening to this tomorrow going to work oh yeah it's it's timeless yeah, that just that just made me think of a uh, something we we might need to talk about on the show about uh, the different the different styles of uh, recording the evolution of recording music from people that no longer write because you know a lot of rappers they basically don't write anymore they just do the punch in method. And it sounds like it. yeah, that's created a different a different type of uh, oh well. No, like a lot of rappers, they just record their lyrics until they get it right, as opposed to actually write it down on paper mm-hmm. and go in a booth and, you know, recite their rhymes from the page. It sounds different because of the punch in method, um, as opposed to just, you know, doing it right. But, but it's style. an abuse. It's an ab- if you ask me, it's an abuse of the punch in method. The punch in method. It was originally meant for like if you had a particularly long or wordy verse yeah, and you needed to take a breath in between and they had to punch you in in the middle of the verse. That's what it was for. It wasn't meant to, for artists to just start ra- rapping a little bit, then stop, then they punch them in and they start again. It was it was never intended to be used that way. But it's evolved you know? into something and um. Uh... We'll, well, we like I said, we we'll talk about it at a different time because it's it's a it's a big it's a big um it's a discussion that needs to be had. Oh yeah, most definitely. I definitely put that put that on the uh, on the syllabus. But yeah, man, just wanted to get these two albums their props. These these two very important albums, two classics. Anybody who's looking to get into hip hop uh, music, these 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 are must hears. You know, 
Takashi. These are must-have albums, so check them out. But let's get into our album face-off for the week. Uh, my favorite part of the show. So this week for our album face-off, we have uh, Kendrick Lamar's uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers going up against The Offseason by J. Cole. Uh, in one corner with Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, this was Kendrick's fifth studio LP. Uh, released May 13th, 2022 on Top Dog Entertainment, PG Lang, Aftermath Records. Um, it clocks in at 18 tracks and 77 minutes and was actually, has actually been billed as a double album, in fact. Uh, but it features production by The Alchemist, Baby King, Soundwave, DJ Dahi, Boy Wonder, Acloma, Cardo, The Donuts, and more. And then in the other corner was The Off Season by J. Cole. This was his sixth studio album released uh may 14th 2021 on dreamville rock nation records <laughs> clocking in at 12 tracks and 39 minutes uh featuring production by boy wonder dj dahi don milk tay beast frank dukes t minus timberland and more and as we know these two artists are kind of looked at as the leaders of the new school for the, for the newest generation of rap um, you know, people kind of include people like to lump Kendrick Cole and Drake together, but in Ugh. my opinion, in my opinion, Ooh, Kendrick Cole, unholy trinity. I do, <laughs> dude. Like, it's so many other more worthy candidates that you can include in that trinity than Drake. But in my opinion, their their music is head and shoulders above Drake's. But they they are kind of seen as, as as leaders of of the new school and the new guard, and uh, rightfully so. So. I'll give it up to you all, man. Um, it's interesting that these these albums were were released literally a year apart too. Uh, but I'll give it up to you all, whoever wants to take it first. Between these two albums, which one were you feeling more and why? You go ahead, Vince. Alright. Um Okay, so there's no there's no surprise. Everybody knows J. Cole greater than Drake. I mean J. Cole greater than Kendrick in my opinion um especially like what's what he's been doing these past two years um like it doesn't even have to be said I've said it on this I've said it on this show that I feel like we've seen the best of Kendrick but we haven't seen the best of uh Jermaine Cole we haven't seen the best of, uh, of of J. Cole. And I said that a couple years ago, and he's proven me right. And I said that a couple years ago. And um, also, Kendrick is proving me right. Now, to get to the albums, I didn't even have to listen to these albums because I've heard them so, both of them so much. Now, that, uh, that Mr. Morale, that is definitely a think piece. Um, he's definitely touching on some points in life that hit hard, but I think the replay value is there as well. But when you replay, after you've heard the album, I'll say, let's, say, let's, let's just say you heard the album three times. When you replay it the fourth time, you're gonna skip a number of songs. There's a number of songs you're gonna skip. You gonna hit the, you gonna hit the heavy hitters, you know what I'm saying? Um, talking about Mr. Morale. Oh, Mr. Morale, yeah. There's gonna be 
a number of songs you'll skip. I don't feel like I need to even say anything more, you know, in terms of, uh, as a reason to why. It's just that that's just the tendency that that will ever happen. Um, that off season, though, that off season was, in my opinion, the uh, the shift of J Cole that shut everybody up because everybody knows what they were saying about J Cole. Talk about the man's production. Then that off season drop. <clears throat> Shut, shut all of that up. <laughs> shut it all up. It was short and sweet. It was to the point. And it might be one skip on it. So, like I said, there's no surprise. I'm picking, I'm picking the offseason. But I'm picking the offseason because of the um the proof in the pudding that, that uh, J. Cole put into his craft. It was like Instead of him, you know, because it seemed like at first he was a little bit stubborn and bullheaded, but then he decided to listen to his his critics and um, gave them what they wanted, but still the J. Cole way. And Kendrick, he still, you know, he still did what he does. He he pushes the envelope. He um he's very creative, very experimental, and um. It always, it always uh, is a good thing because the man still is one of the highest level lyricists that you have as far as hip hop is concerned. So that's always going to be there. But um, the album is more of a think piece and, and, and a, um, a discussion, a thing to talk about than like to listen to all the way through, you know, once you've heard it. In my opinion, so I think the off season is a is an album that I will listen to more than Mr. Morale. I will choose that one. Okay, all right, understood, understood. So it's re it came down to replay value for me for you. Yeah, and it's I always talk about you know a certain sound that that your ear can be tuned to, like that's just more. It's just more my thing, you know. Like, I will never get go extra hard on on Kendrick because I mean, we talking about Kendrick Lamar here. But I like Section Eighty Kendrick Lamar more than Mr. Morale Kendrick Lamar, if that makes any sense. I like overly dedicated Kendrick Lamar. I like that Kendrick more than than Mr. Morale Kendrick. But I mean. It's just that's just more my sound. That's just more what I go for when when I when I when I'm listening when I want to hear some hip hop. That off season was crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially the way it started out. Yeah. Um, okay, understood. All right, Marcellus, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Between these two albums, between Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers and J Cole's off season, which one were you feeling more and why? Um. I, I gotta go Mr. Morale and part of the reason the, nothing hit me here is because first of all I didn't like the production on the offseason at all because it felt like production mm. couldn't keep up with the lyrics of J. Cole because he could spit something and it would be solid but it's like this isn't this isn't hitting the same and then I was like okay 
I'm not necessarily I'm, I'm not the necessarily the biggest J. Cole fan. So I listen to uh Forest Hill and then I listen to this. It's like two completely different albums. And it, it feels like it, it, it feels like two two different people to me. Like this is not this to me this is not his his best work. This ain't his best showing. And we know mm. he can do better. Mm. Mm. That's mm. okay. You know he can do better. And I don't I don't think I don't think this is his fault. Because even on the very first very first uh track, 95, uh, 95 South when he was like uh what do you say? Is that the track when he said to pull an M on your your head and you Luigi brother now? Is that the first track? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you got to be locked in. Because <laughs> I remember all the skits that was coming out that people was doing for that online. And I didn't I didn't know it was from this album. You know what I'm saying? So people oh. doing literal skits of one person being Luigi, one person being Mario, and Luigi like stepping to Mario like, like you know, I'm the man now. You know what I'm saying? And Mario was having like this existential crisis and whatnot. It it, it was a whole thing. I had no idea it was from J. Cole. Oh yeah, so, yeah. So he he all has had the lyrics. That has never been the issue. He got the flow. I I don't think the the production could keep up with him. If he had a different production, this would have been a different story. And some of these songs, they sound like they the same tempo. They the same. They the same beat. Like there's no variety. And one thing I am tired of hearing him say: Stop saying you to go. You gotta <laughs> say it in a different manner. You can't say the exact same words all the time. He says that on on Forest Hill, and he says it on this album. At least when when Kendrick was on uh, Family Ties, he was like, uh, "Don't address me unless you come with four letters." He didn't just say you to go. Like, bro, expand your vocabulary, diversify your bonds, nigga. Something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like yeah. something, you know. So, like I said, it, you know what this reminded me of? Probably about the third or fourth time I listened to the album. It reminds me of um, you watch strongman competitions, and like, like back in the day when I first got married and I was working out with a dude that was a bodybuilder at one you know like tournaments and you know all that type of stuff and one of the things he said was one of the first things he said was lift weights slower that was one of the first instructions he gave me i said why is that he said because you're not just lifting for your muscles your tendons have to keep up and your bone structure has to get adjusted to the additional stress of lifting this weight and your muscles is going to change what your tendons do etc it's the teamwork that's what this feels like this feels like the strongman competition where people didn't lift right and they think that all they got to do is get big muscles and they go to lift that weight and they snap their legs because you did build this right yeah you got the muscles but your tendons and your your bone structure is all off he got the lyrics but his producers should have been some completely different people they should have been completely different people. Who who they should have been for this style of an album, I don't know. But I know the people who did this could not keep up with the level that J. Cole brings. Wow. Baffling. Baffling. <laughs> <laughs> 
and and I'm not dissing like I said I'm not dissing J Cole. I just I, I get it. Could have it could have just been better. You know, and like I said, some of the lyrics is it is what it is, but the I think I think the pacing needs to be changed too. Like that's one of the things I liked about uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Now, not I tell you what I didn't like. I, I did. He had a little bit too many features for me, but because he had a longer album, it kind of balanced out. You know, because I'm like, man, you got a little Baby Keem on here, you got Kodak Black on here. I'm trying to hear Kendrick. You know. Yeah. So, um, and, and he had a different pacing. Like it would be songs here, it would be different melodies. It feel like everything on J. Cole's album was done with a beat machine. Like, did y'all get anybody to play one live instrument possibly? <laughs> you know, did you, did yeah, you that get, was that that definitely was part of it. Right. It it was like, did you get did you think to have one or maybe two songs with a band? You know what I'm saying? Like right. Like just just for the sake of some type of variety, because after a while, this two four beat makes everything sound the same. You know what I'm saying? It, your your drums aren't the, the after the it can't always just be bass. You know, just like you can't always just hear the guitar. So, like halfway through the album, nah, probably about going on the third way through the album. Let me get the, the track list up. Like by the time I got to applying pressure, after that, these start sounding the beat starts sounding the same. The tone is the same, the pitch, the volume, like it's it sound like it's the same two four. Like I I don't know. It just I can't even tell the difference between any of this stuff. Oh wow. interesting. <laughs> interesting. You, you know what? I, I, I think because I'm coming at it from a from like a quote unquote virgin ears type standpoint, because it's not like I followed J. Cole's career, I'm gonna view it a little bit differently. I, I do think uh, the first after the, the within the first three tracks, he does have trouble signing his footing. But I would say from track four on he finds his footing and and there are a lot of high moments on the album like In like applying lyrics. pressure like yeah yeah like um, my pressure after that is it's a little bit different let go my hand mm-hmm. climb back hunger on hillside was a great closer i i get what you're saying with the pace of the beats and how they kind of they didn't rise to the occasion of, of his subject matter i get that correct he's working with a lot of the same producers that actually also did work on Mr. Morale but it's it's yeah they're totally different albums um, and that, that's when you read off the producer list I was like wait a minute what because I didn't know that until you just read you know that some of these people is overlapping I'm like well how come they ain't give J. Cole the same treatment what happened yeah which which came out first uh, the coal actually. Oh, oh, maybe, maybe they got some criticism, or maybe they grew as producers, so they had something else that they was bringing to Kendrick. Well, J. Cole has always favored minimalist production. That's fine. It's still a way to do it. Yeah, 
like like remember we were having a conversation about outcast and when they made uh what was the international player and andre 3000 said i don't want no drums and then big boy said i want to make sure the bass is hit you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like okay them starting off the song with andre 3000's verse set the tone I, I i even go think about eight million stories right you're listening to the lyrics but the beat is very minimal it's just doom, 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 and then when the chorus comes up that's when they have the the hi-hat and that's when they get the the harder beat going and then when five starts back it just goes right back to the same beat it's so it's a way to do it because that beat was really minimal to me and five brought the lyrics so i'm like okay did you think on the bridge of course that you could have added something to this or like why it, it just feels like it's just drowning droning droning on and the production just could not keep up with him just couldn't keep up <clears throat> okay, I don't, okay. I, don't even, I don't even blame him very well very well for me i i enjoy going back listening to these two albums i kind of waffle back and forth uh between what album is j cole's best between off season and 2014 forest hills drive um I still kind of waffle back and forth, but I can honestly say when this album came out, I, I did enjoy it. I thought the, for the most part, the the guest appearances added to it, you know, and he didn't overdo it with guest appearances. I, I really liked the subject matter because, you know, he was rapping like a grown man on here. You know, he, he was rapping from a, a place of reflection and introspection, you know, let go of my hand is my probably my favorite track you know him just talking about you know that moment when your son gets a little older and he don't want to hold your hand anymore you know um that when that day comes you're, ne- you're never really ready for it but um you know him rapping about how he had to pretend to be harder than he actually was because you know that's just what you have to do when you grow up in certain surroundings uh there was a couple of tracks he touched on that and you know a lot of as you put it goat rhymes you know where he's he's trying to prove himself as the goat but overall i felt it was a pretty it was a it was a decent effort i thought it was a great effort in fact um and and it was a well-rounded album as well i really love the way it starts and i love the way it ends and you know there are plenty of high moments in between you know the the intro and the outro tracks however i still got to give it to mr morale and the big steppers um this album he just Kendrick just did more he just did more and I'm not even speaking from like a a punchline and bar standpoint I'm just talking about from a creative and artistic standpoint you know with the J. Cole it was you know it was your standard fair J. Cole good stuff don't get me wrong good stuff but with the Kendrick it it kind of it changed the conversations that were happening in hip-hop the album plays out like a like a play or or therapy session honestly and it's it's so many man it's 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 so many good songs on here with with deep themes like you know united in grief in 95 about you know removing all the artifice that comes with that people feel that they have to put on in the world and to operate and function 
worldwide steppers with that very like hypnotic ghostly instrumental that he's rapping over and and actually honestly the first the first i would say the first disc quote unquote the tracks one through nine he's kind of laying out why he needed therapy and then tracks 10 through 18 he's actually going through the therapy yeah um count me out crown heaviest hills crown you know silent hill like you know pushing the fakes off like okay this is the results this is what i gotta do the things that's gotta change especially when you start getting to uh um mother i sober and auntie diaries like this is the stuff i need to change this stuff the community needs to change and he's still bringing bringing bars isn't that exactly he's still bringing bars you know so you know father time like i i can't say enough about father time yeah yeah for sure um you know i I, what's ironic the track that everybody loves on here and talks about is the track i actually skip a lot i always tend to skip we cry together every time like i i I probably (laughs) listen to it it was arguing yeah yeah man i probably yeah exactly exactly there's a lot of it's a couple tracks that just happens this phenomenon occurs a couple of maybe four like like like, i I usually skip we cry together i usually skip purple hearts not because it's a bad song it's a great song but it just it sounds a little out of place on the album um yeah i can see that i do like old space first though yeah i I like it. It, it like i said not a bad song it just it, it feels a little out of place, but, but, but whatever. I don't, I'm not I'm not complaining that much, but you know, yeah, Auntie Diaries and yeah, you know, Savior and mm-hmm. <laughs> Crown. You know, it's just I, I'll give a uh, little Baby King his props for the, the interlude. Yeah, oh, no, absolutely. Get, get, get get Baby King out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he are you I, happy I, for me? Get get Baby King out of here. I I, I think. <laughs> He, he's trying to pick up on what is it his uncle his cousin I think he's trying to pick up on what he's trying to do he, he get slowly, baby came out of here he's slowly altering his style <laughs> get this man I, out of here <laughs> yeah get man, this but... man out of here <laughs> Cole, Cole is actually touching on some of the same subject matter on his mm. album but Kendrick is doing it yeah on, on, on such a different level you know, it's, it, but see, it, this is my theory, and I could be wrong. You guys don't have to agree with me. We ain't. The, the thing about the uh, <laughs> the thing about Kendrick's album, Mr. Morale, mm-hmm. to me, the first listen, it diminishes with every listen because the shock value goes away, and that's what the problem is to me with the album. It, it was shocking a, though. Oh no, it was shock value with the stuff he was talking about, especially later on in the album. Um, it's just certain certain talking points uh uh that that, that goes around within within society. Yeah, especially the black the black society. Yeah, yeah. Um the shock value, the fact that it was being said on the on a song, the way it was being said and that everybody was gonna hear it. The shock value is what made it amazing, but it started to diminish with every listen because it stopped being a shock. And that's where the skipping of the songs take place because it's like, I don't got to hear it. Anymore. Well, look, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. 
what's in what setting do you let what is 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 this album best to listen it to listen to it in because this is not an album that i listen to you know this isn't an album that i expect to get bumped in the club or even pre-game for like going out i think i think what i was saying a little bit earlier i think this is a talking this is the album this is the album that you talk about in terms of like have discussions about so this is an album you could actually listen to with a group of people to have the conversations based off of what this what what's coming out within the song this is this might be it's not too many albums that you can say that about like you could actually listen to this album and have real conversations about it and that's what's dope about it but like aside from that you're not really turning it on like that well well at least i'm not well i i don't disagree with that statement but to me that's that's a point in its favor because that's the difference between art and entertainment entertainment can just be empty it could just be something you can you you engage with to kill time and You know what I'm saying? Then you move on and you forget about it. But art is meant to be dissected and discussed and interpreted in different ways and discussed. And that's why I feel this album is is the better album because it gave you so much to chew on. And it, it did spawn a lot of different discussions in the culture about the stuff he was talking about with, yeah. you know, sexual assault, with with homophobia uh even even the addition of of kodak black who a lot of people see as a problematic figure i think that was done on purpose because you got this dude kendrick who's putting in this work and doing all this deep examination of himself on this album but then you also have kodak black who is like coexisting on the album with him (laughs) to kind of serve as this juxtaposition Mm, because he he represents a certain thing you know like kodak black is not a dude I want to spend time with, um, <laughs> but you know, it, it was it was I think it was meant to be that way. I think it was meant yeah. to be not not a think piece album, but an album that can kind of spark some more discussions and push the culture forward in a way that, frankly, we just haven't haven't seen before. And production wise, I felt it wasn't bad. Like like it's some good music on here well i already mentioned worldwide steppers but die hard i thought the instrument on father time was great mm-hmm. you know and evoked a lot of emotion um and the instrument and the music went to a variety of places for me yeah like yeah. like you had some beats that were harder than others you had faster tempos you had stuff that was slower you know um like purple hearts you, you like he brought I, I think that's the difference now that you mentioned it in i think the difference is between music and art i think that's the difference or entertainment and art yeah no no I'm, I'm saying some people are their music is phenomenal music but they're not looking at it as an art piece and i think okay. kendrick's album is an art piece he he adding elements he's adding social con you know uh uh elements to it he's bringing up deeper topics you know what i'm saying because you could easily sit back and say um certain album is like some of the best music you've ever listened to but that doesn't make it art you know what i'm saying 
It doesn't yeah, make it art peak. And you know, and then some stuff can be so artistic that you're not really gonna listen to it, <laughs> right? Because you're thinking about it. Yeah, so I, and I, you only you you only will listen to it to let somebody else appreciate the art. Or like, if I'm in a thinking mood, you know, then I'm gonna listen to this album. Same thing with uh, Speaker Box of Love Below. It's a certain well, mentality that I want to be in. And, and that's 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 the other reason why I, I'm giving the, the edge to uh, Mr. Morale. When I when I listened to the off season, I thought it was a good album. I, I, I listened to it, but then after I was done listening to it, I listened to it, you know, six, seven, eight times, you know, through and through. And then I didn't really revisit it. I, I and and I had to kind of with this album face off going back and listening to it that's what kind of reminded me of what i liked about it whereas when i listened to mr morale and the big steppers i was thinking about that album after i was done listening to it like yeah yeah it, I, I had to actually turn it off it was it was hitting me so hard emotionally i actually like had to stop and like get away from the public i was in before i could even go back to the album and you, and you, like you say, you still, you still thinking about it, you know? Okay, I'm thinking about the beat. I'm thinking about the lyrics, but not just the lyrics. But then, if you actually say the words, you're thinking about, you know, from different perspectives. Okay, this is what he's going through. Have I gone through something different? You know, am I this person now? Have I grown? It, I, I'm, like I said, I'm still. You know, still thinking about it and i think that's one of the things that makes this an art piece because even when i was in school for art that what he's doing with this is what we did in school the different breakdowns when we was watching different movies different breakdowns when we was going to different museums all that type of stuff same thing yeah I, I didn't do that with j cole yeah 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 so it's it's sure it's a phenomenal album man it's a phenomenal album um you know uh i mean both these albums are good i'm not trying to take anything away from cole cole does what he does and he does it well man he he deserves his stature in the game um but kendrick is just he he's he's from a different planet you know what i mean like he's from a different planet um but yeah, I, I enjoy both these albums thoroughly. But for the reasons mentioned, I, I had to go with with Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Um, and if it's certain things, Vince, that you you know you like, then you know it's it's understandable. Like like for me, the older I get, the deeper I want the message to be. Like I'm gonna be knocking on fifty pretty soon. So I I, I a lot of stuff I just don't like fly by night stuff. Because the older I get, the more I dislike Drake. <laughs> so, you know? Yeah, so that now I, I will I, I will give you that. I do see I allow myself to um see I don't one thing I've, I've allowed myself to do when it comes to music is to not have any pre anything preconceived mm-hmm. when I'm listening to someone. I just allow myself to just listen. Um, then I listen in three with three different mindsets so that I get a well-rounded view of what it is I'm listening to. 
Um, and then I also have different avenues in which I enjoy music. I DJ, I'm making music myself, and I'm and I'm just a fan of music. So like, yeah. I hear it in three different ears, so to speak. So like, I have the ability to casually enjoy it, enjoy it at a deep level, and enjoy it in a um in a level of just the way they put the music together because I'm in the process of putting music together. So like I can I can listen to it in all those ways. But when it comes to just the, the casual the casual side of it, yeah, I'm gonna certain songs I'm just gonna skip, you know. Um when I don't wanna think when when I don't wanna think certain like J. Cole is palatable in every single way. Um, and like I said, I like my Section 80 overly dedicated Kendrick more than uh, than uh, the, the Kendrick that, that he's evolved into. But don't get me wrong, I love Kendrick, period. Um, well, it's funny you said that because I think this is the overly dedicated Kendrick. Because he's, nah. had, he's been slowly growing a social message since uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah, oh, I think Vince is referring to the mixtape, Kendrick. Right. But you said overly dedicated. So you <laughs> must mean that in a different sense than, than what I'm what I'm coming from. Because when are you talking about to to the message? No, I'm talking like, about to that that, that album. He, but he he's evolved every single album. But every single album he's a different a different person. He's grown, he's changed. Because you can't tell me that the to pimp a butterfly has anything to do with good kid Mad City. No, 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 no. You're right. You know what I'm You're right. If, if, You're right. If anything, uh, Good Kid Mad City is probably his his only album that's a gangster rap album. Because I definitely don't consider Damn to be a gangster rap album. Oh, no, you're right. Definitely not to pimp a butterfly. Right. That's what I'm saying. So he he's constantly changed and he's expanded more on a message that he's been trying to bring in the first place. I think to, to Vince's credit that Mr. Morale does have a shock value, but not necessarily in a negative way. No, no, no. He's it's just it's, blatantly it's, saying what the message is. It's just really blatant. It's no nothing yeah. is overt, you know, covert. Nothing is covert at all. You know. No, it's not. It's not in a negative way. It's in the uh, elephant in the room type of way. Oh, that. That's and um, yeah. and uh, but what I'm saying is, it the shock value goes away. Right. That's um, when you start thinking about it. That's that's what yeah. happened to me. That's when I like once I was through the the shock of what was going on after the first couple of times of listening to it and and hearing you know you know talk like being saying sexual assault phobias and and you know all that type of stuff it really made me think like man what like like this is what our culture is going through i ain't never even been to california you know what i'm saying but like this is what he's talking about is legit what the culture is going through you know so it's it's like man that really made me like take stock of of different generations of people, you know, people that's my parents' age, you know, people that's in their twenties that's young enough to be my kid, you know, and, and some of the stuff that they're they're still going. We're as a culture, we're still going through these things, and it's like, man, this is. So it it, it forced me to think, 
you know. Now, if I don't want to think, but I still want to hear Kendrick, then I'll put Good Kid Night City on. <laughs> which is still banging. Which is still banging. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know. No, it's, it's, no that's less, true. But, less, you but know, we got. I got. I'm sorry, fellas. I got. I got. I'm sure get, coming up short on time. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 But there you have it. We got two for Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, and then Vince do his support behind uh, the Off Season by J Cole. But man, both of these albums are worth checking out, honestly. But moving right along, let's dive into our segment, What You're Bumping, where I invite y'all to share with the listeners what you've been bumping for the past week or so. Uh, so, uh, Marcellus, man, 60 seconds or less, man, what you been bumping? Mr. Morale in the offseason, and funny enough, uh, Hamilton, a soundtrack just came back up, so. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I, I I messed with the Hamilton soundtrack actually. Yep. Yep. All right, Vince, man, what you been bumping? I've been beat shopping, man. So I, I haven't really just listened to any music other than the stuff that we had to go over for for the show. But I just been because I I've been in my writing bag, man, like crazy. So it's time to it's time to put this stuff on a beat. And so yeah, that's what I've been doing this week past week all right I can, I can hit you off with some instrumental recommendations if you need some so let me know hey man yeah text me man sure for sure all right for me i was bumping this week i was bumping i actually went back and revisited that uh samus album uh pieces in space uh that is a great album man that that chick can rap man she can really flow um yeah she's, yeah, she's she got a, a lot to say too uh, I was also bumping No Name and her latest album, Sundial. Just wanted to revisit that. I'm, I'm starting to put together my best albums of the year list. And I wanted to revisit that one because I, I feel like I left a lot of meat on the bone with that one. Um, paused and just wanted to go back and see if there was, you know, some stuff I missed, which there was. That That, that is a good album, too. Um, I was bumping the new Alchemist album, uh, Flying High 2 very dope not not i didn't enjoy it as much as i enjoyed the first flying high but it's it still it was still pretty good i was bumping um mickey diamond and camouflage monk uh still the uh the capital gains album um that's still a banger and i was bumping tyler the creator uh igor again so just oh, yeah, felt I like listening to that too yeah oh okay yeah i just felt like throwing that on and yeah you know enjoying it but there you have it man there you have it that is the show uh, Vince, Marcellus, man, I want to thank y'all for hopping on the show and making it what it is, uh, sharing y'all's y'all's input and commentary. I am actually going to take a sabbatical next week and not record. I'm, I'm going to take a week off and then we'll come back. We'll come back next week. I'm, I'm sorry, in two weeks uh, with some more topics for y'all. And uh, I might be trying out some new software as far as recording because Zoom has been on the fritz lately. So. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of trying out this new software called Riverside that everyone seems to say is, is good. But um, but yeah, that is the show. So gentlemen, I want to thank y'all again. And with that, I'm going to bid y'all adieu. And I'm going to say peace. All right, ladies. Peace. Thanks a lot. All right, peace. 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 peace.
So I got to be there And I'ma be your sugar daddy Fair square Versace chair PD Life of the party Bad boy uh. Make joints for everybody Same no more. It used to be bluer. The grass was greener. It was that you you felt the warmth back in the days. Now everything is just it's, it's cold and it's it's, it's it's cloudy. It's like it's like it's not. It, you don't even feel. It don't feel right. But people are so caught up in the world that they don't know. Check it out, check it out, check it out, boom. 
Okay, now what about your lyrics? What about them? What are you saying in your lyrics? Nothing. To piss old white people off like you. 